God made Adam and Eve. Now, he could have started right out by making the world perfect. Then we'd have never had a way to get to heaven. If we were all perfect, we'd all went to heaven. That wouldn't have been, he didn't want it that way. It had to be our choice, free will that he gave us. So truth. And so he made oh, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And he uh, said, this is what we're going to do. And what did they do? They got into blaming, accusations, and sin started right there. And we've been doing it ever since. The middle initial in sin is I, yep. and blame has got me at the end, M-E. So it's amazing how that sin, we continue to blame one another. We say, I'm perfect, but you're not. And so we, uh, we have problems with that. Well, then we had... Judaism started because of the Jews was God was a Jew. That was a shock to me. I grew up Catholic and thought he was a white guy. And I didn't realize he was a Jew. I was so shocked when I found that out. And oh wow. Okay, so that took me another route. And, uh, not that I cared which way it was, but then if you found truth. And it blew me away. I had to actually ask a guy, is that true? And Amen. I was probably thirty some years old when that happened been going to church but didn't have a clue <laughs> anyway uh, we're not perfect Judaism started out and so what do they do they sacrifice animals animals sacrifice just covered your sin they didn't forgive your sin so they all went down to paradise a place called paradise and they were there who knows how many are we have no clue whether it was millions or thousands and they slaughtered they figured over million million of animals to get covered and we, one time, were uh, at an Indian reservation, and my job got to be to skin a lamb and eat some of the insides. Ooh, I had to pray before I ate those. But anyway, uh, it's amazing what can happen when you're out on the trail. So Judaism, God said, oh, no, that's not a good religion. So he really, in A.D. 70, I think it was, when the Romans pretty well destroyed the Judaism religion, and now... They don't sacrifice anymore, but the Jews have not, not all of them. Of course, some have accepted Jesus, but a lot haven't. But God had a plan. This is how it is. And so it's our choice what he does. It's our free will. And it's such an easy free will that we fight it like mad. We're so stubborn and dumb when it comes to accepting Jesus. We uh, put wrong truths all the thing. I do want to tell a merry heart does good like a medicine. Amen. There was a Hindu guy and a Jewish guy and a lawyer riding in a car together. And they went down the road and the car broke down about midnight and they were near a farmhouse. So they went and knocked on the door in the farmhouse and said, can we sleep here? And he said, only have two beds. One of you will have to sleep in the barn. Okay. So the Hindu said, I'll go in the barn first. It wasn't long. There was a knock on the door. It was the Hindu guy. I can't sleep in the barn. There's a cow in there. So the Jew said, I can go out there. Was a long knock on the door. The Jew was at the door. He said, I can't go. There's a pig in the uh, barn. So the lawyer said, I'll go. So the lawyer went. Now you have to be really sharp on this one. Pretty soon there was a knock on the door. Expecting a lawyer? Nope, it was a cow and the pig. So that might tell something about lawyers in government, so we got to be careful with that one. But, can you imagine you girls, your ladies, now ladies, when you were a girl, maybe 13 to 15, and all of a sudden, this little angel comes down, speaks in your ear, and says, I'm going to make you pregnant. Yeah. Wow. 
Huh. Well, that would be a blow because she's engaged to get married. What's her husband going to think? Well, she finally believed it and then went and told her husband. Oh, can you imagine what he thought? And she said to him, I've had no sex with man. And so that took, but can you imagine telling your parents? I'm pregnant by God. Oh, sure. But she was a young girl and yeah. God knew that she was the one. Amen. So when she started showing, she decided I better go visit my Aunt Elizabeth over in another town. So she knocked on that door and Elizabeth was showing a little with John the Baptist. And both babies leaped in the womb at that point. And then John the Baptist was born in Jesus. Now, in the Jewish, they cannot do any ministry until they're 30 years old. So we don't have a big clue what Jesus did for 30 years. We do know at one point he was with the Sanhedrin and different people, and he was going through the Bible, actually teaching them things that they were quite shocked. But it was just one time in the scripture, so we yeah. really don't know. But John the Baptist, he was a forerunner, wild-looking dude. Reminds me of the hippie days. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, we've seen people with long hair and stuff and funny clothes, and especially San Francisco, because I was stationed <laughs> close to there when I was in the Air Force. And, so, and he ate locusts. If I would have run into somebody eating locusts and wild honey, I'd have said, ooh, don't want to run with this dude. So the <laughs> forerunner, John the Baptist, he kept going around, all, repent, repent. People, can you imagine? They didn't want to hear that at all. Spirit of rejection would be heavy on you. Go, Nobody likes me. Is it because I eat locusts or honey, or is it because of what I'm saying? I'm a forerunner. I'm not Jesus. I'm a forerunner. And he would do all that. Of course, he was getting, and that's kind of how you give a speech. You tell the people what you're going to say, then you say it, and then at the end, you tell them what you just said and quit. And it's kind of like John the Baptist. He had to tell you what's coming and what's going to happen. But he needed the mid part to show up. Jesus had to come in at some point. Amen. And so he was running around doing his thing. And then one day he was baptizing. And we'd been near this spot in Jordan where the baptism of Jesus took place. You always thought it was in Jerusalem, I mean in uh, Israel, but it's not. It's in Jordan, right? By the Jordan River. And there's a place that's now uncovered. And there's a place there that said where Jesus was actually baptized. Anyway, John the Baptist was doing the thing. And he sees off. Jesus is approaching. He just knew it in his spirit. And he must have knew Jesus, of course, they were cousins. Uh, but anyway, he came up and John, or I mean, uh, John said, baptize me, Jesus. No, no, no. You got to do it. So John baptized Jesus. And that meant John the Baptist's job was done. He baptized Jesus and the Trinity showed up. A dove came out of the sky, the Holy Spirit, set on Jesus, the Son of God. And God said, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Amen. So the Trinity started right there. All three were together. That was fantastic. So hallelujah. So his job's done. So he, he can go do something else. Hallelujah. So then it took Jesus had to go to the cross to bear a very horrible death. I can't imagine he's knowing what's going to happen, that he's going to have to accept it. He even said, and I'll tell you about some blood drops. When Jesus got on the cross, and the cross is where it all took place for us. Not the wood. The wood had nothing to do with it. The cross had, but it's what happened there at the cross. Amen. That salvation of Jesus' blood was the last blood that was needed to be sacrificed. But there was eight drops. Interesting. Uh, seven normally is meant for perfection and eight for new beginnings. So I'll tell you the seven drops. 
the first one would have been his back was whipped 39 times with thongs, leather thongs that were twisted together to make him strong. And then they had jagged metal yeah. on the yeah. end of that. 39 and for the major illnesses that we have. So by his stripes, we are healed. That's where that came from. So that was the first blood that he uh, got. Then he had to pray the night before and he had all the disciples there over here and he goes and they fell asleep, they were bored. And Jesus went off to pray and they said the sweat was like drops of blood landed on the ground. Yep. That when he said, if it's your will, I'll, I'll go ahead and get her done. And then the next day they put the thorns on his head. You can imagine how that felt. They walked up to him and jammed it down with all them like knives and, or nails. Yep. That had caused really a lot of pain. Then they put one through each hand, and they put one through his feet, and we got one more blood. When did that come? At the end, when they, put the when they stabbed him in the yeah. side, and they never broke his legs as they did all the other people. That was uh, prophetic, but that was his blood. So that meant seven perfection is done. Now we got new beginnings. Now all we have to do is say, and he told us, you must be born again. Jesus said that in the Bible. Yeah. And Nicodemus said, huh? Do I got to crawl back in the womb? What do I do with this? <laughs> he said, no, no, no. You got to be born first in water, which you were. And then you got to be born in the spirit. And that's by accepting Jesus Christ into your heart and profess it. If you don't, there's a lot of people thought they're born again. They're going to hell. And when they died, they went to hell. That's yeah. sad. Uh, that they've never listened to the Bible and wanted the truth. So now that Jesus has died, now what happened next is that after, I think it was close to 70, 80, somewhere in that area, uh, the Catholic Church actually started and became the main church or denomination. And there, if you ever look in your Bible, you'll not find any denominations in your Bible. So all the denominations aren't scriptural at all. And then... They went and the Bible that the Catholics used was made in Latin. I remember trying to learn Latin when I was an older boy. I flunked that big time so I didn't get to be an older boy because that was too tough for me. I had trouble with English as some of you found that out in this age. <laughs> Hallelujah. So anyway, uh, the Bible that the Catholic Bible comes out is made out of uh, Latin or <clears throat> excuse me. Latin, and that's a more of an error language than the Greek was. And so then years later, here comes Martin Luther. He's a Catholic. He's a Catholic monk. But something he just, in his spirit, knew something wasn't right because everything that the Catholic Bible did, very few people ever read it because very few people understood and could read Latin. Only the very smart, the high people in college could read it. So that gave the priest and all the people in that line, the bishops and cardinals, much control over all Catholics. And I still got Catholic friends. They love Jesus, but holy, you swear that their priest was God the Father. And you try to tell them, ho, ho, put that break on that. You don't, you're not supposed to do anything to it. You got one father, Abba Father. Amen. And, uh, Amen. I've had a lot of Catholic experience. If you grew up Catholic, you'd know. I've been to Lourdes, France. I've been to Portugal where uh, the three children, uh, Mary supposedly appeared to them. I met one that was still alive. She was in her late 80s. She died not too far after that. Uh, but the sad part is it's so much rituals. And then other churches started. And the Methodist church started and they were really on, well, I gotta go back to uh, with Martin Luther. 
what he found out is he got a hold of a Bible that was in Greek. And that was justification by faith, not by works. And so he goes, boy, now what do I do? So then he started exposing some other stuff that was in the Catholic Church in the Bible. And now there's a Greek word, not a Greek word, a German word that's similar to protesting. That's how we became Protestants. Uh, it sounds exactly like it, but it's a German word. And uh, so then that's how that split came. Now, I grew up Catholic believing that only Catholics went to heaven. And I don't know where I got that. I remember when I was first in the service, they told us about this Baptist church. This guy has got to go there because there's a lot of girls. And I was 18 years old, so I went. <laughs> I did not feel comfortable at all. There was a lot of pretty girls. But I had this feeling that in the church, they told us that if we're in another church, the roof's going to fall in. And I mean, I was really nervous. I never went back. I said, I'm Catholic. I can't go in a Baptist church. So I missed, we, all of us guys that were Catholic missed all the nice girls they had. <laughs> that, that fell in the pot, pot for us. Now it sounds like I've been knocking Catholics. I'm not. I'm telling the truth of what the difference is between the Bible, Protestant, and Catholic, and how it still goes. And since yep. then, there's been a lot of denominations started. Had great starting, like the Methodist Church used to really be the most on fire church there was. Yep. And now you're lucky if they even talk about Jesus in the Methodist Church. Yep. They've really gotten yeah. separated. That's sad, because uh, I've got a couple half-sisters that go to a Methodist church, and they think they're really going to go to heaven. They're not born again at all. And they got one sister that's a born-again Baptist, and she is born again, and she's had no uh, luck in getting them, uh, or blessing, I guess would be a better word, to get them into a born-again church. So it's sad that truth can really put us in trouble. Here's where the truth is. My daughter's still Catholic, and she'll get mad, and I go, pick up your Bible. Show it to me, because it's the same stuff there, except six extra books that's yeah. in there. So yeah. uh, it's hard to get through. Most of my relatives are Catholic, and I have witnessed to them and witnessed to them, and they just get mad, and they're proud, and they don't go to church. Yeah. That's what a lot of Catholics don't. It's sad. I did go, there are about 20% to 25% of Catholics born again. They're charismatic Catholics. I had been to a charismatic uh, mass, and I was quite shocked. They had their hands up there. Everything was just like what was going on here. Uh, <laughs> tongues, all the stuff. And I remember the priest said, come on up here for communion. And I thought, well, I haven't went to confession. I can't do that. Now, I was born again, but them old tapes were playing. <laughs> and then he said, no, you just come up and get inside the altar area. And I go, oh, no, that's sacred area for anybody. That's the older boys. I said, no, no, no. We're a born-again Catholic church. That's Boy, that was different. I really had trouble with it. But boy, it was nice to be around because I got a lot of Catholic friends and they love the Lord. And the first thing I have to say, are you born again? Otherwise, uh, not so good. So the cross with the blood he gave us where we, we have a right now to Jesus and heaven. And there's a lot of things that we learned the last couple of days of how to keep that. I remember saying to Johnny, I can remember, repent, resist, rejoice. And then we got to singing that song. Yeah. So we got to repent and then resist the devil. And then we can rejoice. Woo! Praise God. And it's great to be in a church when you see the songs and you see all the truth on the words. Amen. And you sing it. Amen. You're actually saying the Bible without yeah. a lot of people even knowing it. So, <laughs> hallelujah. Praise God. I want to speed on and get what I want to get to. Uh, 
can talk, but I won't talk very much about healing that we had that yesterday, but I'll tell you this. I had cancer in 1979. They sent me off to die, and they gave me six months to live, sent me to a research hospital in the Air Force. And the first night, two guys died in my room, and they had this belly, they rumble. It's a horrible death to listen to. Uh, they had, anyway. And so there was a lady that had some cancer by her eye that I knew. Uh, her husband, I was a drug and alcohol counselor, and he was on our alcohol program back in Oklahoma. So I went down to visit her, and she was with a ton of women, and all these women were the happiest women I've ever met. They've got cancer, and maybe they're all dying, but they're yakking, just yakking and having a great day. And I thought, cancer's an attitude, a disease, bad attitude. The men had bad attitude, and they were dying right and left. And it was scary, and then they were going to operate, and I refused, because a lot of people get an operation, and the cancer just jumps and spreads, and you're dead. So I refused to do that. So now I said I was Catholic. Every week I should have had a Catholic priest come visit me. Not one in five weeks. I volunteered for six biopsies once a week. It was didn't hurt, going through your gag, you just kind of went, and then it didn't hurt. You got to watch it on TV. These things running around inside of you, clipping off chunks, and didn't hurt. I found that fascinating. And so on the fifth week, this Catholic priest shows up. And he was a funny looking guy, I remember, because I said to him, you must be from Ireland. Now why I said that, I have no clue. <laughs> he just laughed. And he said, you need prayer? And I thought, of all the time I spent as a Catholic, I never had a priest came to me and said, you need prayer. So I said again, boy, you're a strange one. He laughed <laughs> again. Then he prayed 107.20 that said, basically, your destructions are over. Your death is done. You will live. Oh, the word. It's also got the word in it. And I said, wow. Then I said, you're really a strange priest. And he goes, why? You never did the sign of the cross. Wow, that really blew me away. So that was fine. He left, and I thought, I'll see him next week. Well, next week, they called me in and said, you're going to have to take another test. I'd already done five. Got to take a sixth one. Why? It came up negative. So the sixth one came around, came up negative. Now, I had no clue at that time, because I wasn't born again, that that was an angel. Very evident. An angel showed up, to get, and I was not born again. Now, in the middle of all this, I got to back up just a step. I was an alcohol and drug counselor, and I could make the best hooch of anybody, me and a guy that worked for me. We made our own green cream to met and Kahlua, and it was cheap to make. Had a lot of sugar in it. If you were diabetic, you'd have been dead. But anyway, he gave me a book to take with me, or sent it to me, actually, called Prison to Praise, written by the chaplain to President Eisenhower but when he was a general. And so I'm reading it. And here comes this scripture that says, you got to die. Oh, I lost it. My temper got hot. I threw that book on the ground. I said, I'm already dying. And you give me a book about Jesus and all he can tell me is I'm dying. They put a white jacket on me. It's very tight. <laughs> I remember, you can't do nothing. You just kind of. I, I, I said, get this off. Oh, you've lost it. I said, I'm just mad. <laughs> really mad. <laughs> anyway, when I got born again and read the Bible, I realized it said die to your flesh. Didn't mean you had to die. I wish I knew that. It saved me from the white jacket. But anyway, uh, I didn't get born again until I got back to Texas and somebody called one day and said, you want to go to church? To a Protestant church? I'm Catholic. But I went. And I remember this guy that was preaching had a white suit on and I thought he thought he was God. He kept pointing up and 
I said, holy, but then he had a born again message. And that guy I knew, I started bawling. Next thing I knew, I'm down front, got my hands in the air. I'm looking at them. What are they doing up there? But they were up and I got born again. So yeah. praise God. Then next thing I knew, I volunteered for a job that was going to make me a lot of money as an alcohol counselor. And when I went for the interview, who was president of uh, this company, flew in. The door slammed. I should have, and I just prayed this prayer. God, if it's the job that you gave me, then no man can shut the door. And if it's a job that I ain't supposed to have, you slam the door. Well, I'm up to the reception. This door right here just slammed. I mean, very loud. And I went in, and God actually took my tongue upside down. I probably was speaking in tongues because I couldn't speak in English. And he called the shrink. He said, you're done. He called the shrink and said, some retarded guy showed up. And I said, it was me. I was retarded. <laughs> God turned my tongue up down so I couldn't answer the questions correctly. That was 1 o'clock. 2 o'clock, I hear the voice saying, you're supposed to be in Bible college. I call them. They said, you got to be here by 3 o'clock. I was there at 2.30. Monday morning, I'm in Bible college, spending money instead of making money, going, how did I get here? Then another story in Bible college, which, so God healed the cancer. I've had many x-rays, and it's just one dot where they took all the stuff off, which used to be the size of a 50 cent piece, just to let them know there was something there. So God at least left that so they could look at it. <laughs> the doctors, I love telling them. Jesus did that. Some of them say, probably did, and the other ones go, no way. That's fine. I know who did it. Well, being an alcohol counselor, of course, I could drink more beer than the rest of the guys, but I could hide it better than anybody. And I didn't dare drink in front of him, so I had to go to a bar that was in the woods in Colorado Springs and hide my drinking. And so I'd gotten where I wasn't drinking much. And so Ellie goes to visit her mom in Colorado, and I'm in Texas. And I go buy a case of Milwaukee. It was the cheapest to buy. And boy, I drank 18 of them that night. Got up to go to Bible college, sicker than 20 dogs. Headache that was just banging. Uh, oh, I did not feel good at all. And in Bible college, I was in the front row and they had a television thing right here, televising this to 1700 churches. And I always shut my eyes while I was going because I knew there's people and I had people from Alaska, including India, come up to me and I know you. No, you don't know me. Yes, I do. I pray for you. I see you on TV. I said, I keep my eyes shut. How do you know if I need prayer? Because the eyes give it away. And so anyway, uh, I was very hungover. And I know, I think what the preacher said, but I'm sure he didn't. What I heard, he could see beer sudden out my forehead. That's what I thought he said. I'm sure he didn't. So I get home at noon. And I laid on the floor, and all I did is I started weeping and bawling and bawling. And finally, I said, Lord, I can't take it anymore. And all of a sudden, I felt a weight go off my shoulder, and I looked up, and a black bird about the size of a turkey flew out the window. Spirit. And I thought afterwards, well, sure, every time you go buy liquor, it says spirits. <laughs> Shouldn't be surprised that flew out. That was in April of 1984. I've never had a desire to drink since. Never had Amen. a drink since. So that's been 35 years about. So God knows how to, he's the chain breaker. He broke that addiction. Amen. I refuse to say I was alcoholic. I'm a counselor. Oh, got the mask on, huh? Kind of like people come to church looking good. Then they go out and sin. Then they come back in yeah. on Sunday. Right. That was me as a counselor. I was a good one because I knew what them guys were doing. And then they'd kind of say, how do you know all that? I just smile. 
I didn't dare to say too much, of course. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let me go to, if I find the right page, to the chain breaker. Yes, chain breaker, where are you? Oh, I know who you are, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, chain breaker, in the cave. There was this man in the cave, and he was crazy, but he was actually uh, possessed with the spirits. He had a legion of spirits, which is 6,000. That's a lot of spirits in one guy. And of course, if, if you know the story, he was in there always, they'd tie him up, they'd put chains on him, and they'd put stuff on him, and when they'd come back, he'd be going nuts, and all the chains were broke, and there was metal everywhere in this cave. But the chain breaker happened to pull up on a boat one day. And the old guy looked down there and seen Jesus. He said, I better put on a show. I better put on the mask. He's coming for me. So he ran down to Jesus and said all these things. And Jesus just said, you have... Well, first Jesus asked him uh, what the, what the uh, spirit's name was. And most people do deliverance. That's, that's a no-no. Uh, unless you're really willing to take them on. But anyway, he said, legion. And Jesus threw the legion out into 6,000 pigs that went over the cliff. And this guy then, because he put on a show just like the devil does, he said to Jesus, oh, you're a good guy. And he was just rattling good stuff. But Jesus knew that he was demon-possessed. And when it was over with, maybe days later, that guy was dressed, I always said, in a white suit, bow tie. I mean, he was looking good sitting there and said hi to Jesus. And he was clear. He was in good shape. So we call Jesus the chain maker. Now, I wonder how many of us have something that's a chain around us. And I got a list that would take me two hours to read, but I'll read some of them. Because you need to kind of ask yourself, do I have them? Because most of us are not honest about the, these things. Now, we talked about some of them yesterday, but I'll just get on the list. And if it's yours, just be ready to get rid of it. Repentance, and that goes back to what we said yesterday. Repent, resist, and then rejoice. Yeah, you can do it. All right, John? So hallelujah. Alcoholism is one. Drug addiction, immoral actions, porn, smoking, cursing, thinking you're dumb, physical change, suicide thoughts, thoughts of murder, anger problems, sickness, rejection, roots of bitterness. That's a tough one. Blame, unforgiveness, retaliation, habits, hang-ups. Hurts, fornication, adultery, homosexual, generational curses back to the third and the fourth generation, uncleanness, outburst of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, occultism, jealousy, witchcraft, unloving, fear, lying. That's Galatians 5, 19 to 21. So I didn't make those up. <laughs> so you just have to ask yourself when you're doing a sin like that, what do I do? Am I willing to get rid of it? And as we learned yesterday, one of the scriptures that Pastor Dan said, you actually look at it, see it, get rid of it. If you can see it, it's around, get rid of it. Toss it. And I, I told him that was a big one. That I'd never heard that that way. And so that one stood out uh, for me. We talked a little bit about trauma. Trauma is when you've had something that's maybe a car wreck, a woman's been raped. There's really things that are bad that you keep being fearful about and if you've had trauma you need to get rid of it have somebody pray when i had my trauma for a year and a half i was afraid to get out of bed because of the pain that i had when i had the trauma and finally a guy in church said i need to pray your trauma off and when he did that was the last i ever i'd get out of bed i didn't worry about it. i was going to ever have it again 
So trauma is a good one that needs to be broken off. Somebody prayed over. And always that if any of you got any of these, if you want it can be broken, you can either tell us what it is, you can come down front and we'll just pray for you Amen. and command it, whatever it is to go. You don't have to tell us. God knows what it is. We'll just agree with you that that chain is broken, whatever uh, it is. So you repent, then you resist, then rejoice. Then that's when the band gets going and we can all get our hands in the air. I can remember, I like I'm picking on cat. I remember when I was at the Air Force Academy in the Catholic Church, one Sunday they had to shake hands with our guys next to us. You didn't do that in the Catholic Church. It was just very quiet and straight. And I remember thinking that was horrible. Shake the neighbor's hands? And it got loud when they did that. And then the next Sunday we had a band. I was totally shocked. It was a pretty good band. <laughs> I didn't know any of the songs, but I thought, how horrible to have a band. Then we get born again and find out, oh, that's praise and worship. But of course, we know you that stuff then. Hallelujah. How's the time? I must be getting right on it. Hallelujah. What I was going to teach on was prayer. Some people love to pray, and some other ones, that's something they don't do very well. Uh, but I will tell you one. This I can tell you in about a minute. It won't take long. It's really easy to do. I go to the gym and work out during the day, and I, I'm 78, and so I need to keep moving and get my muscles moving. And the, we work out for about 40 minutes, and then we go in 30 minutes in a hot sauna. And we talk Jesus, and we've had more, we have quite a ministry with that because then people are listening in the sauna, and they'll Amen. start talking Jesus, and they'll say, I need to get back in church. So yeah. that one's been a good one. And then we go for thir uh, 10 minutes on a massage thing that massages your back. Uh, so anyway, um, we've had a good one working out. Uh, so here's what I do to pass the time. I'm by myself. 30 minutes is a long time when you're in a place that's 180 degrees heat. Uh, but if you're praying, so take your hand. Well, you, you can try to, the thumb is the nearest finger to you. So you grab your thumb and you pray for those that are the closest to you. Probably your kids, relatives. You pray for whatever it is they need. So that could take an hour, two hours. That could take two minutes. Depends how long you want to hold your thumb. <laughs> and then, then this pointing finger is a teaching type figure. So you pray for anybody, pastors, they're, they're teaching, teachers in school, could be the superintendent of schools, whoever you know that's a teacher that you want to pray for. So you hold that finger and pray. Now I've got to be careful here. Okay. This middle finger is the longest finger. So with it being the longest, you pray for the government. The ones, and whoever it is sure. in your own, could be the mayor, could be the governor, could be the president, could be whoever it is that, congressmen, congresswomen, that whatever. That same finger turned the opposite way is a rebellion finger. And so you pray for anybody that's rebellious that really needs to get their life in order. Yep. And so that's a good one to pray for. This finger is your weakest finger. Some say, no, it's not, but mine is. Uh, you pray for healing marriages because the ring goes on the finger so you can pray for relationships marriage um, and healing whoever you know that needs that prayed for and it could be yourself that you're praying it for and then you finally get to pray for yourself you grab the last finger the one that's furthest away from you and then you pray for all the things you need and 
that may take just a minute or, or three hours too, who knows? So uh, that one is a good one. So it's the closest to you, the pointing finger and the longest finger, rebellion and government, relationships and healing and you. And that's what we want to do. If you've got anything that we need a chain to be broken, uh, just come on down and we'll break that chain because we just go poof. Because that song we sang yesterday, Chain Breaker. Yeah. So if there's anybody that wants something broke, just come down and we'll have other people can pray for you. You don't have to tell us what your chain is. Because uh, if it's embarrassing, hopefully it's not. Uh, that's what was neat yesterday is that most of the people in our male group, we were very open and I hear the women's group was open with each other. And that's what happens when you finally let yourself get prayed for. But so many people, including myself, I've known I'm supposed to go up front, go to go down wherever you're at here. It's kind of up in a hill, but uh, sometimes you don't. And you go, oh, why didn't I? Whether it's pride, stubbornness, whatever. Nobody needs any he praying for healing or praying for, boy, it's a healthy group then. Yesterday, you must have did good, Pastor Dan. <laughs> we broke them all, apparently. Wow, no traumas, no... Uh, know anything wow well only you know that you have to deal with it i don't, I don't. Uh, so that's a good prayer uh, i can give you a fast one but it would no using a word named p use the lord's prayer and if you go down through that our father who art in heaven praise is the p so our father who art in heaven hallowed be the name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Priorities. You put a P on priority and say, God, help me with my priorities. What should I be doing? What? And then, okay, uh, will be done. And then you got the daily bread. Daily bread's two things, provisions, and the other one is the word of God. So if you're not doing good with one or the other, ask for help. If you want to thank him for all the food that you got on your table and that you're reading the word of God, or if you need to read it more, then ask him to help you have time to do that. Because I have to help him, ask him for that, because I fall asleep easily. And so I said, Lord, keep my eyes open. They don't do any good reading. I can't see anyway, hardly. But anyway, praise God for that. So uh, then you get to forgiveness. Well, that's people. So whatever you need to forgive. And then at the end, you get to pump. Think of iron, power, Holy Spirit at the end. P for power. And, of course, anybody knows that when you get tongues, whoever's got it and one's get, we know we're getting it. Hallelujah. Because, boy, if you go off and just speak in tongues, you'll feel yourself get fired up, get strong, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will give words to you. And that's in your prayer language. And then, of course, you got the other tongues, too. But don't need to go into that. You already know about them. The using church as a... That he's, and then somebody to interpret it. But your prayer language, that's another thing. And I find my tongue, tongue to prayer language is one thing, but when I have had a message, it's a complete different sound, complete different language that I've had. So praise God. So does anybody need prayer for that? We've already prayed for one, so. <laughs> and we know who to pray for. We have, I have some prayer stuff down that won't be today, but some will be Wednesday and some will be other days. So praise God. Well, hallelujah, everybody's practically awake. That's a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> hallelujah. Well, 
you got it with Pastor Dan. It's amazing watching him. I remember when he used to come when he was a youngster and wasn't quite as tall and was fun to always be around. And then I remember when I finally got in Bible college, all of a sudden we're now talking Jesus. And next thing he's in Bible college and whoa, and here he is. Boy, he's strong as can be spiritually. He's doing great. So I love it because he's got the teacher uh, way of teaching. There's five ways of teaching. Mine's exhorter and his, boy, and that's where you get scriptures. I don't hardly give any scriptures. I have to say, what, what scripture to cover that, Dan, so I wouldn't get in trouble? I haven't written down, but it would take too long to be opening. So hallelujah. Well, thank you. Have a blessed day. And if you do need prayer, just come to us and say it. We'll do it. Oh, do I need to shut this thing off? I'll take it. Oh, okay. And so do you see why it was so much fun having Jim and Ellie come out? <laughs> and so there's a, you'd have to look it up, but the verse in the New Testament that says, whose faith follow considering the end of their faith. And so watch, you know, to see, to see, have you ever met somebody who's 78 that's that excited about Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want to be like just like that when I'm 78 so, <laughs> I'm sure we all do so so we're just going to be following Jesus right faithfulness to Jesus over time will get you there that's going to get us all there I just I just I just love the joy and the life uh, and the hope and the excitement about life and the excitement about Jesus that uh, that Jim and Ellie bring everywhere and my mom too I'm just really thankful that uh, they were able to come in town and bless us today and yesterday and the day before so Amen. Um, yeah I just wanted to be thankful for that did, did you want to wrap up with a song or, or good good father yeah okay. sure yeah that's cool okay so I'll, I'll just I'll just pray while the band's coming up if that's okay and uh, we'll do they'll do good good father heavenly father we just thank you for um, for Jim and Ellie's lives Thank you for uh, just bringing joy and life and excitement about Jesus. Thank you for, you know, preserving Jim's life and those instances where you did. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for orchestrating situations to get him to Bible college and, and those type of things. And uh, so we just rejoice in that, Heavenly Father. We rejoice in, in, in your saints. We rejoice in um, the work that you've done and the work yes, that you're continuing Lord. to do. Help us to follow their faith, O oh Lord. And uh, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah.